I am so glad to be able to come to you and to be able to bring God's word to you today. We are in the midst of something that is unprecedented and we are scrambling. I know so many families for work, for family, for school, everything has been just kind of thrown up in the air and we're still kind of waiting for, to see how things are going to fall out. And maybe you have been dealing with a sense of a loss of control. And that's actually what we're going to talk about today. Today's topic is control. And we are uh, in a period or phase where we might feel like we are losing control. I remember when my two sons were growing up and my older son first got a PlayStation or something along those lines. And of course, his little brother wanted to play along. And so at that time they were wired. And so what we used to do is give John a controller and we wouldn't plug it in. And so for a while he would play and move the controllers and then uh, his older brother would be able to play the game in relative peace because his brother thought he was playing. But the reality was he wasn't controlling anything. He was not plugged in and he wasn't in control. And maybe that's a feeling that you can relate to because we have our plans, we have our expectations for the way things are going to happen. And then over the last week, all of those expectations and plans have changed and it can be very unnerving and it can cause us to be a little bit concerned. So I'm gonna go ahead and give you the bottom line that I think that we all need to know and understand, and that is that God is in control. Even though we have a sense of a loss of control, and even though we have a, a circumstances that we don't know what to do with, we have a God that is in control. And in the last uh, couple of days as I have been preparing for this message, I was reminded of a passage from the book of James. Now, James was the brother of Jesus. And uh, you think about what would it take for you to be convinced, speaking of brothers, that your brother is actually the son of God. So the fact that James one of Jesus' brothers became a follower of Jesus is actually pretty incredible. And he became a leader in the church at Jerusalem, and he wrote this letter to the church of, full of practical wisdom. It's a great letter. It's in your New Testaments as the book of James. And he talks about this sense of control in this passage. Beginning at James chapter 4, verse 13, it says this, and now I have a word for you who brashly announce today, or the latest tomorrow, we're off to such and such a city for a year. We're going to start a business and make a lot of money. Here's a person who is making plans. And there's nothing wrong with making plans, but they, are, say, they have it all mapped out, what they're going to do, how they're going to make money. And the Apostle James introduces a little bit of a reality check into the picture when he says the reality is you don't know the first thing about tomorrow. I remember it wasn't but maybe about 10 days ago that we were sitting around talking about, well, 
if something happens with this virus, what are the things that we need to do as a church? What are the things that we need to do as a family? And then at the end of that last week, everything just kind of fell off a cliff. We really did not know what tomorrow was going to bring. And this is just kind of a wake-up call for us that the controller is not plugged in. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And he introduces a continuing reality check. In that same verse, he says, you're nothing but a wisp of fog, catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. Our lives are short and fleeting, and we don't have the control, maybe, that we thought we did. But the good news is that God is in control. God is in control even when we are not. And he goes on to explain uh, why that is. Now, the whole idea that God is in control is something, a theme that is found throughout the scriptures. So I'll just give you an example from the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. This is Isaiah quoting the Lord when he says, remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. And in Isaiah 46, verse 10, the next verse, he continues, Only I, God speaking again, only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything, and here's the key phrase, everything I plan to come will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. This is the, the testimony of the entirety of God's people, God's word throughout all time that God is control, is in control. He is sovereign. Now, uh, James goes into how we wish should respond to that in the next verse when he says, instead, and again, he's referencing what the people have said before. Instead of saying, well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go here, and I'm going to accomplish this, he says, instead, make it a habit to say, if the master wills it, if the Lord wills, if God wants it, and we're still alive, we'll do this or that. It's the whole idea of surrender, that because we aren't in control and because God is, that it's good for us to acknowledge that and just recognize, Lord, you are in control. And I can make my plans, and I, may be, and I should make plans, and I can uh, try to accomplish things, but ultimately, as the psalmist says, unless the Lord builds a house, it's laborers labor in vain. And that's just come into stark contrast for us to recognize that unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord is behind our plans, or actually, better yet, that we align our plans and our expectations with His, that we don't really know what's going to happen. And uh, the problem with the whole idea of, of not surrendering is that it's actually pride. It's saying, I'm going to decide what's right and wrong. I'm going to decide what's good. I'm going to make things happen. And James goes on to say uh, in verse 16, as it is, you are full of your grandiose selves. I love that phrase, full of your grandiose selves. All such vaunting self-importance is evil. Now, when I first read that, I thought, well, he sounds a little bit like a scold, but what is he getting to? He's getting to the point that 
when we say we're going to do this, what we're doing is we're actually supplanting God's role because he's the one that's in control. Now, it would be one thing to know that God is in control if you didn't know what God was like. It's another to know that he is in control and he is good. This is why this is good news. This is why we can have confidence because God is in control and he is good then we can know that things are going to go well for us when we surrender to him. And so he goes, uh, he goes on to apply that a little bit more, but I just want to give you one example from the scriptures. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome, and he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now, look at that top phrase, for I am convinced. How did he become convinced of that? That there was nothing that could separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's because God sent his son to die on the cross for us that he was willing to sacrifice his son to pay for our lives with the life of his son. And because he would not, God would not withhold even his own son, we can have absolute confidence that God loves us and that he has our best uh, in mind and that he will go to any lengths to accomplish that. Now, sometimes we can't figure it out, and not everything that happens to us is good, but we can have confidence that God's intentions for us are good. We know that because we can look, when we look in the future and we don't know what's coming, we can look in the past and see what God did in Jesus on the cross and know that nothing, that we can become convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now, we know that God is in control, we know that he is good, but as I said, not everything that happens to us is good, but he works everything for our good. There are a lot of things that I know people even this week have faced that are definitely not good, but God's power and his love and his commitment to us is such that everything that happens to us can work for our good and he for those who love are loved by him and are called according to his purpose for those that love God and are called according to his purpose he will work everything for their good we see that exactly in Romans 8:28 we know we have this confidence that in all things again not all things are good but in the midst of all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. So, God is in control, God is good. Not everything that's happening to you or will happen to you is going to be good, but God is going to work for your good in the midst of all these things. And then lastly, God is in control and part of that means that God has mapped out good things for us to do. Even in the midst of this situation, he maps out good things for us to do every single day. Where do I get this? From 
the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, uh, and also from James. Go back to James. This last phrase says, in fact, if you know the right thing to do and don't do it, that for you is evil. Now, this almost seems like a non sequitur. He's been talking about, well, don't say this, instead say if the Lord wills, and then he sums it all up with this phrase, but he's actually referencing much more of the letter. He's been going through all the good things that you can do and the, the good plans that God has for us. And so he says, look, just go ahead and do those things. And if you don't do them, that's evil. You know, don't, don't, don't neglect those things. Keep walking in those things. And that reminded me of the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, where he says that salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. In other words, you're not even in control of earning your own place in God's family. You need God's help. And God has provided that help through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And then the very next verse says this, For we, we who have said yes to Jesus, we whose sins are forgiven in Christ, we who belong to the, to the family of God and are citizens of his kingdom, we are God's masterpiece, his workmanship. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I have been praying lately that God would make every day of my life his masterpiece. And it says that he plans out part of his sovereignty, part of the fact that God is in control, is that he plans out good things for us to walk in every day. And I have this picture of maybe you've seen a garden or a yard like this where there are stepping stones, a path that is laid out in stepping stones. And God, in his sovereignty, is laying out stepping stones for you every single day, good works so that you can walk in them. And that is his sovereignty, that if you belong to him, if you've said yes to him every day, even in the midst of uncertainty, even when the path that you're on is completely different from the path that you had planned, every day he is laying out good works for you to walk in. And so I would encourage you to take encouragement from that, that even though there's great uncertainty, even though it seems like our world is spinning out of control, God is in control, God is good, not everything that's going to happen to us is good, but God is able to use all those things for our good. And every day, day by day, He has good works, good things laid out for you. Just surrender to Him. Just ask Him to lead you in those good things that He has planned for you. And step by step, follow Him. In Isaiah 46, 9, it says, Remember the things I have done in the past. For I alone am God, I am God, and there is none like me. God is in control. As we begin to, as we begin to wrap up our time together, I'm going to ask you if it's appropriate and safe where you are, just to close your eyes, focus your attention as best you can, shut out those distractions, and let's hear from the Lord about how he is in control and some things that we can do to respond to that.
First off, if you're going to experience the benefit of God in control, you have to surrender control of your life. Have you said yes to Jesus? Yes to his forgiveness that was purchased for you on his cross? Yes to his leadership as he is the sovereign Lord. Now is as good a time as any to recognize that your controller is not plugged in and you need to plug in to the source, to the one who is in control of everything that happens. And once you do that, then you can release your anxiety and worry. The scriptures say, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Right now, release that anxiety. Lord, I release to you my anxiety, my fears for the future, my concerns about what's happening next. Let me encourage you also to just take one day at a time. Jesus taught us, don't worry about tomorrow. Each day is going to have enough worries of its own. So just focus on today. We're also told that the greatest love that we can have for one another is to bear, is to love one another as Jesus loved us. And one of the ways that we can do that is to bear one another's burdens. If you know that God is in control, you know that he has laid out good things for you to do. He has laid out plans for how you can be a blessing to others today. So let's just receive the peace that he has for us. Say, I receive your peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And that means they're not based, our peace is not based on circumstances. It's based on his being in control. I receive your peace. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, you can have peace with God. All of your sin forgiven, all of your guilt washed away. Just say, I have, I receive your peace. And in all likelihood, there is someone in your life who is not experiencing peace. Whoever comes to your mind, just again, if it's appropriate, say their name out loud. And let's ask the Lord, Lord, give my friend, give my family member, give this person peace and say their name. Lord, give peace too. Heavenly Father, we thank you because we know that you are good and that you love us and that you are powerful and able to take even the things that others intend for evil and circumstances that we wouldn't choose and you're able to use them for our good. We receive your peace. We release our anxiety and worry. We thank you that you are with us every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.